Well, good morning, Charged Up Studio listeners. This is Dana Olivo with Marketatomy LLC and Charged Up Studio. And today we've got a really exciting program for you. I've got Bob Hopkins here, who is a philanthropist, and we'll learn more about him as we talk about his story moving forward in this segment. This is, uh, we're, we're going to be talking today about philanthropy and Bob's book called Philanthropy Misunderstood. So welcome, Bob. Thank you. It's nice to be here. You, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I got to see this book. It's an absolutely beautiful book. Um, the message is amazing. And we're going to just jump right into it. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to ask you right off the bat, philanthropy misunderstood. Why? Why, why, why? Okay, uh, Dana, I can't tell you how exciting I am. Excited to be here today because after you and I talking a little bit about what you are up to uh, has um, to do with what I'm up to too. And that's to inform people about businesses and that's the for-profit businesses and non-profit businesses. And you know that I know that uh, businesses fail, 40% of them fail within the first five years. And it's partially because people don't really understand how to run a business. They go into something with a huge passion and they're going to sell ice cream and they go, wow, I can't wait to do this. And then they forget that they got to pay the lights and they got to pay the people and then they've got to do the taxes and they've got to do all these things. Well, I started um, a for-profit business also, and it was called Philanthropy, Philanthropy in Texas. And it was a magazine. And I did that for 12 years and it was featuring people who were philanthropists, what I thought was a philanthropist. Dana, but a philanthropist, what I thought and what is are two different things. I started talking about people who gave money, people who gave big bucks, like millions of dollars to nonprofit organizations. And, and you know, as I started ending my 12th year at it, I realized that I was missing the boat. I was talking about people who had money to give, right? Uh, but they were given it for the wrong reasons. They were given it because they needed a tax deduction or because they wanted their name in headlights or they wanted to be recognized or they wanted an award of some kind and they got them. Right. But I realized that those weren't really philanthropists. Philanthropists are people who do things. And yep. the word philanthropy means love of mankind. It means people who take care of others. And that means I'm not only a philanthropist, Dana, but so are you. Just because you care about people and you, I know you. And so I know what kind of a person you are. You're loving, you're honest, you're trustworthy, you're responsible, and you care about other people. You care about yourself first. Of course, you have to. You yeah. hus your husband, your family. But then you care about others because there's so many people who need you. Just your advice, just your well, care. You can't care about others unless you care about yourself. I know. You know, you can't do that. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, um, with what I do... And, and how I help small businesses, you know, if, if I could, I would do it absolutely free because that's where it is on my heart. Unfortunately, that's not the case, but being there for them um, is something that is dear to my heart because I've been through it. I know exactly what they're going through. I know where their hearts are. Right. But you know, um, you've got a lot of time that you give of your heart and a lot of oh, time yeah. you give advice and probably more time than you're thinking about making money. 
Um, and you know, exactly yeah. And I tried to run this as a business and make money from it. My board of directors would say, Bob, you're giving everything away. And I said, because I love what I do and I love it, but I can have passion. And so there's two heads here. There's a nonprofit head and there's a for-profit head. So when I started writing this book, Philanthropy Misunderstood, I realized I wanted to write about the people who actually are real philanthropists. And they're the ones who give back to the community. And I've got 108 people in here and I've only got 20 of them on the front cover down here at the bottom. And I tried to make it as diverse as possible, but you know what? All those people are involved in my life. So I had work, I've worked with them for a long time. Well, and, and that's what I found reading through the book, you know, was your compassion and your familiarity with, you know, everyone that's in your book. I'm, I'm fascinated with the stories, you know, just so that um, you know, out there, my listeners, this book is a compilation of individual stories by each of these philanthropists that Bob knows. And each story is really interesting, the way that they got involved, what's in their hearts. Uh, I'm just fascinating at the approach that each one of these philanthropists takes to their giving. So Bob, tell me, first of all, how did you get started? Tell right. me a little bit about your your childhood and how your mom took you to a trailer. Trailer park to <laughs> deliver food for Thanksgiving when I was, um, I think, 10 years old. Right. And I, I'd never been to a trailer park. I'd never been on that side of town because I was told I wasn't to ride my bicycle on those that part of town because it was dangerous. But that's we where we went. And there's a little gray uh, trailer park and there was a very thin gray looking woman who answered the door with two or three children in the background kind of hiding behind her as these strangers came in with food. And then of course they, that got their attention, but they, after we started talking and my mother was being such a, a wonderful personality person as she was, um, she brightened their day. And then she brought out food, which brightened their dairy day even more. And we let, when we left, the children were waving at me and I could feel this, pat on my back, Dana. And it was somebody saying, you were good today, Bobby. You did a good job today, Bobby. So I realized, wow, that's all we had to do. And I can be told that I was such a good boy when many times I was a bad boy for doing bad things. But in philanthropy, I was always good. And no. people would say, do good job. And so I always tried to look for things that would get those pats on the back. Because you know what? I, I did need a reward. And that's you how needed you needed recognition. Yeah, I need yeah. I needed a little bit of recognition, and I didn't yeah. have to receive a plaque or a ribbon or anything like that. Wow. I just be told, "Thank you, Bob. Thanks for doing such a good job." Yeah. So yeah. anyway, but um, Dan, I had a problem with alcohol and alcoholism, and that's in my book as well. And there's a whole section in there that I have come from a long line of alcoholics, and I don't know whether I inherited the disease or whatever. And of course, I worked for the National Council on Alcoholism in 1982. When I start, stopped drinking alcohol and went to Alcoholics Anonymous, and when I worked, when I volunteered there, um, they hired me because I had such a passion for telling people about the ills of alcoholism as a disease. My mother was an alcoholic, my grandmother was an alcoholic, et cetera, et cetera. And that started me on the road to philanthropy. So that's what it is, is giving away and giving back. And I was the fundraising executive of the organization and I loved it. And I realized, oh, Bob, you're home. This is what you needed to be doing all your life. 
is to be raising money to help others. And so when I came to Dallas, uh, which was a year or so after that, um, mm-hmm. I, I worked for a school for children with learning differences, dyslexia and attention deficit disorder. And then I worked with a group called the Texas Neurofibromatosis Foundation. And um, so I've done several things in raising money. And then finally, I just got tired of it and started this magazine, Philanthropy. And now I've written a book. And now I'm a college professor. And I'm teaching nonprofit management um, in major universities as an adjunct professor here in the Dallas area and speaking around the country about giving and about philanthropy. And thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to talk to your people today. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, philanthropy and nonprofit is a very difficult uh, lane to be in uh, as far as as far as funding is concerned, everything. You know, one of the courses that I offer through uh, Market Academy Academy is how to build a funding strategy that pays. And, you know, as you said earlier, you know, small businesses and it's it's we here in the United States, we make it so easy to start a business. But the problem is, is we don't make it easy to stay in business, especially for those micro business owners, those solo entrepreneurs, under 10 employees, you know, those type of business. But nonprofit is even harder because the nonprofit side is not relying on self-funding so much as it's relying on people giving of their time, of their money, gifts, whatever. So let's talk a little bit about what you have experienced over the years in the nonprofit sector um, as far as raising funds for nonprofits and what they're doing wrong and what they should be doing. Right. Well, most people don't know that raising money is an art and it's a skill, both. And you need to be trained in it. Uh, professionally, because there's a time and a place to be uh, suggesting that people donate money to your cause if you want to raise a million dollars as opposed to 10. And it also has to do with the psychological aspects of the process and also what does money mean to each person? And you just mentioned you want to give 10% of all your proceeds to the nonprofit sector. That's called social entrepreneurship, which means you're an entrepreneur and you want to give back so you have a plan. Most organizations don't have a plan, Dana. Most organizations just give when their heart feels like it. And then those who are more sophisticated, like, for instance, Dr. Pepper, they have a plan about what to do with their proceeds. And their employees love it because they know what the plan is and they get to be involved in the community. Mm -hmm. So when a business actually puts their employees out into the community to volunteer for races and runs and chili cook-offs and all these kinds of things. People go, oh, wow, I love this job. I love this job because they care. They, they really give back. So when you were asking me earlier, how important is it that for-profit entities think about how to get involved in the nonprofit sector? It's huge. You know, when you go into a law firm, um, they don't say, here's your client base, client base. They say, go out and get your clients. Yeah. So a person yeah. goes, well, how am I going to get my clients? I'm just going to go outside and start handing out my cards. No, you get involved in a nonprofit organization and you meet a whole bunch of people and you say, oh, by the way, what do you do? I'm an attorney. And this oh, is my question. And, <laughs> and so when somebody needs you, they're going to go through their cards that they have collected at the last 
meeting for the Salvation Army or for the American Heart Association, and they're going to call somebody they know who's also and like-minded that are they're also a person who gives back to the community. And so you think that lawyers have to be or have to do everything pro bono. No, they don't have to do everything pro bono because after a while, people realize if you want a professional and you want some good work, you have to pay for it. So everything is not for free, of course, right. but that's how you build your law firm and your practice is by the nonprofit community. So people say, where do I go and how do I do it? A lot of, most people go to church or have a church affiliation or are involved in one of the organizations like Lions Club, Rotary Club, a service organization, or even their alma maters. You know, I'm involved with my alumni association for two universities that I went to actively. And I meet all these people that I went to school with, all these alums of my fraternity, all my of the people of my organizations, mm -hmm. and I get in contact with them. And then when I had a book signing for my book, I invited all of the alums in that particular town where I was having the book signing. And one I'm thinking about was Kansas City, and I don't even live there. But I wow. had uh, I featured people in the book from Kansas City, and that's my hometown. And I invited my old fraternity friends and my alumni. And you know what? They got involved and they said, you know what? I want to do some of that stuff. I want to be involved. So I think philanthropy is contagious. You just have to know about where to right. find it. Right. And you can right. find it sometimes at the most inopportune times. You know, I tell people always answer the telephone and they say, no, it's spam calls. If I don't recognize it. And I said, you know what? It may not be. It just may be somebody who needs your help, that needs some advice, that needs some counseling. And you can get involved that way. And yeah, I require you my, usually, you can usually tell when there's spam, if you have some kind of a spam, you know, filter or something like that. Well, you know? And even um, if it is spam, I can always hang up if I don't like yeah. what I hear yeah. in the first two sentences. And sometimes they say, hello, can you hear me? And I go click because when they say, can you hear me? That's one of the things that indicates that it's a recorded whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're, they're either going to go on or not. But anyway, yeah. um, I teach part of my course is uh, it's not what you know, it's who, you know, and um, the best way to meet people is get out there and start volunteering for something. And it's, no, it'll be that's, amazing. That's the numbers of people. Yeah, no, that's excellent. No, it's, 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 um, you know, when, when you're a small business, it's important that you create a brand out there. And part of that brand is philanthropy whether it is, you know, March of Dimes, getting involved in March of Dimes, or, you know, I used to work for Turner Construction and we got involved in um, UNICEF because, you know, one of our uh, architects was, you know, had somebody, uh, a child or something that was in UNICEF, you know. And so there were a lot of philanthropic, you know, we'd have golf games, you know, and things like that to raise funds. But the, and as you were saying earlier, you know, it's changing the idea of what philanthropy is, is what's critical for us to understand. It's not just the money, it's giving of time. I've sat on several boards for nonprofits, one which happens to deal with HIV uh, AIDS awareness. And that's where I learned what I learned in order to write the course called you know, building a, a donation strategy that pays, okay? Um, this board were, was just relying on the funds that would come in from the Ryan White organization, you know, or something like that, which are annual funds. 
And as I was trying to explain to them, you know, they were always having problems with cash flow issues. And I said, you need to focus on your donations, whether it's going to be monetary, whether it's going to be service-based, you know, it needs to be a balance between all of that. Mm -hmm. And this is what a, not, a lot of nonprofits don't realize is going out into the community and asking for help is critical to meeting those cash flow, you know, uh, demands that they have every month. And so that's where philanthropy really get, comes into play when you are running a nonprofit or a for-profit, because you can help them raise those funds as a for-profit agency, if that is what, you know, is in your heart. Mm -hmm. you know? Right. So what do you yeah. say about that? <laughs> I say I'm right there with you. Um, you know, when you start running around with philanthropy people, um, you start looking for philanthropy people because you have something in common. Right. And I always, I teach my college students, you need an elevator pitch and one minute elevator pitch which means you get on the bottom floor in the elevator and you say, who are you? And by the time you're up the 32nd floor, you have, have took one minute and you have to talk about yourself in one minute. And I listen very closely. And in that one minute, if I don't hear the word giving back or volunteering for something, then I think this person is not of the quality that I want in my life. Mm -hmm. but you know what, Dana, and you mentioned it, leadership. If the oh, word... Yeah community servant isn't part of leadership, then there's something wrong with the people who are calling leaders, leaders. Well, and I noticed in the book, you know, as I was going through it and everything, there were several topics, faith, you know, your, your circle of influence, all of that. Let's talk about, okay, what each of those categories bring to you mm -hmm. or bring to philanthropy. Right. Well, the faith one is one of the first ones, uh, just because uh, those of us in the United States, whether we have been raised Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, all of our doctrines have said it is best to give back to your neighbor. Every every one of those doctrines yeah. say, says that. That's number one thing. In fact, more people in the Muslim Muslim in the Muslim religion give more money than any other religion you can believe it. And it's just because that's how they were raised. The Jewish faith is the same way. Christians, they say you should give 10% or whatever. And you know what? We give 2%. But 2% adds up to a lot of money in the United States of your of your salary. Yeah. Um, so um, so the faith is, is important. And so I think that people will go to church, sometimes do and sometimes don't. But I think they need examples of what that means. You know, what are you doing when you're giving back to your faith? Well, are you paying salaries? Possibly. Are you building buildings? Possibly. And sometimes you're supporting the food shelter or, you know, when people are needing food, where do they go first? They go to their churches and that's how you get involved. And that's why churches are a 501c3. And then I've got a section called international. I travel the world. I love traveling the world. And you know what? They don't know a lot about this topic, this word, but they're givers in their own way. And they just don't know that it has a word to it. And so I teach them the word philanthropy. And when they learn, know that it is something that is an or in organization and organized fashion of giving, then they even give more. So right. that's why I talk about it in the international sector. And then I have one called heroes and heroes are just a, a name for all everybody in there because all of them have either started a nonprofit organization right. or they have worked with, with one. There's a lady in there uh, who 
preserves homes, old old homes. Oh, and yeah. yeah. And we Preservation Dallas in Dallas, and she's the one who started it some 40 years ago. She just passed away last year, but there's 10 pages in there about persons who get involved in the community to make their streets and their neighborhoods safer and cleaner and more livable, attracting people who are going to take care of your city. And that's philanthropy, you know, and yeah, one of the other things I noticed with your book, you know, as you're going through the stories is how many families are involved in philanthropy, the, the actual entire family, the kids, everybody get involved in the same philanthropic. Yeah. Oh, I love this. This was a great story. Do you see these little girls here? Yeah. They were four and six years old when they started making origamis. And today, now this is 12 years later, and here's the picture of the family now. They're all grown up. They've raised raised $1.7 million to build water wells around the world. And the name of their organization is Paper for Water. And they've gotten everybody involved in it. And the whole family's involved. Dad's a doctor. Mm -hmm. And mom is a homemaker. And they actually um, closed down their house, sold their car, and took the kids out of school for eight months and traveled 17 countries to see their water wells with what they had contributed and built. And talk about family organization. When yeah. you walk into their home, it looks like an origami factory. Yeah. And it's amazing. Uh, you know, I, I mean, there was there were several families like that in your book. I know. I thought I know. it was amazing, you know, because what what a legacy to instill in your children growing yeah. up, right. you know. Well, all the parents say they, their kid learned it and they all got one to get involved. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's changed them as a whole family. Now they volunteer as a family, you know, it's affectionate, infectious, you know, yeah. and even with, with you, Dana, you may have an, a plan or an organization that you're involved with that I'd never heard of before, but you know, I, I'm interested in things that come to me. And for some reason, I think if something comes to me, I can't refuse it because God had a plan. And yeah. God's plan was that I see this and now I want to be involved. I just got off the phone with a scholarship fund. We're giving scholarships to disadvantaged youth who need to go to college because they're smart enough, but they just don't have the money to do it. And people ask, why do you do this? And I go, joy. It just makes me happy. I just like doing it. I like to have a mother say, thank you so much for everything you've done. Because without you, we wouldn't have been able to go to college, you know? Yeah, it needs to be done, you know? Um, Yeah, definitely. You know, you see a need, you see a problem, and you want to do what you can do. You know, you can't do it alone. And that's why you want to, you know, involve the community, involve, you know, others in your your vision, your dream. With me, with what we're doing with Marketatomy, you know, I've got enough people who have seen what we're doing and say, they've emphatically said, this is needed. This is definitely needed out there with with small micro businesses and as i said you know my my goal is is to eventually set up a nonprofit back end you know right. for micro funds that would help small businesses understand and get started you know right. but that education is critical right now well uh money isn't everything here uh, and, and and you you actually you're through your work um, instill in people 
how to do the things that they do after I raise the money. Exactly. In other words, I, I'm, I'm not great at organizing the process. That's right. what you do. You organize the process and yep. I can raise the money. So there's yep. always people like me who are needed. And I started my own organization, but you know what, Dan, and as you know, I didn't do it alone. Nobody does anything no, alone. I have to bring people in that have skills that I don't have. And you don't need a skill in everything because there's a lot of people out there who want to help. And yep. so yep. Um, I just started gathering people. And then I made announcement with two and then three and then five and then 10. And then it gets to be a hundred and then it gets to be a thousand. And most of those people are volunteers. And I don't like the word volunteers, but a philanthropist, which means they love mankind and they want to volunteer and they want to help. Yep. No, that's exactly it. Well, we are coming up on the end of this episode and there's so much more that we could talk about. <laughs> this happens a lot of times, especially when you start talking about philanthropy and nonprofits, because that is dear to my heart as well. Um, before we go, I'd like to ask one more question. Who has had the largest impact in your life as far as philanthropy is concerned? Okay. Uh, and I have an easy answer for that one too, besides mother and God, of course. Mm -hmm. um, I have, I created a scholarship. My, all the proceeds from my book go to charity. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of the things that I did about 20 years ago, I called up my speech coach in high school. And I just wanted to, I said, Dean, I called him Mr. Nolte. Mr. Nolte, you have changed my life more than anybody else. A teacher of mine in high mm -hmm. school. I was a debater. Teachers can do. You were my debate coach. And I am now teaching speech at a university and I created a magazine. And of course, he died before I even started the book. But it's in the book that he is the one who inspired me to be a communicator. Right. And how to communicate. And of course, you can't do anything, Dan, as you know, without being able to communicate it. No. Either in the written form or in the speaking form or in the nonverbal communication form. And so I teach business communications in college. So I'd say that he probably is responsible for making me become, um, you know, the, the person that I have pretty much. Very good. Very good. So Bob, before we head out, tell uh, the listeners how they can get a hold of you or even get a hold of your book should they want it. Well, it's really easy. The book is called philanthropymisunderstood.org. So philanthropy, if you can spell that, misunderstood.org. And that'll take you to my website where you order the book. And you can also learn more about me and, and what I do. And um, if you're a student, there's a cheaper rate for it. If you're not, all the money goes to charity. And it's just fun, fun, fun. And that all the, the, um, um, all the, the orders for books comes to my team and my team fulfills these and I sign every book. And sometimes if I don't know you, I call you and say, who are you? I want to know. And that's how I got on the board of the scholarship fund. A man called me and said, I found your book. I read an article about you in the newspaper. I ordered your book. Now I want to meet you. And so I met with him and then he, the next thing I know, I'm on his board of directors for scholarships. And so that's, you know, right. that's part of my joy too, right. is uh, I get to meet a whole bunch of folks that doing similar things to what you're doing and what I'm doing. Yeah, no, no, this, you know, it takes a village, as they say, you know, to, yeah. to, to do what needs to be done. You know, you can't do it in, in a vacuum. So, 
Well, Bob, I really appreciate you joining me today. Um, It's been exciting. Um, I look forward to talking more with you. We're both in C-suite together. So gonna, you know, I'll be talking to you tonight. So, (laughs) but anyway, yeah, yes. So that is the end of this episode. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode. And I look forward to talking more with you. Talk to you later. Thank you, Dana. I really appreciate it. Happy Memorial Day. Yes, you too. And you can always reach us at info at chargedupstudio.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and contribute to our platform on Patreon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.